Hello, I am Professor Rex, and this is the show Toxic, our show about the concept of toxic masculinity, both discussing examples of it and talking about ways to fix it. And this particular episode is dedicated to the most toxically masculine man in America today. That's right, he's not my president and he's not yours, Donald J. Trump. And the J stands for jerk off. All right. There are three official titles to this piece. The first is, it was a bright cold day in April and the clocks were striking 13. I'll tell you the other titles in the footnotes at the end of the piece. This episode of Toxic is brought to you by the color orange and Russia. Let me start by reading you a recent quote. The world of today is a bare, hungry, dilapidated place compared to the world that existed before. That last one, if you remember, is a Donald Trump quote about Detroit. Wait, let me look. Oh, <laughs> that wasn't Trump. That was from George Orwell's 1984. Oh well, story still applies. I'm going to read you some lines, not just from 1984, but from the secret manual that Winston gets a hold of that explains how the party uses propaganda to maintain absolute power. Even if you haven't read the book in a long time, I think these will sound familiar and they will really resonate with you. And don't worry, what you're going to be hearing now is called Big Brother Voice. So, just for the quotes. I'll be here for the, the commentary. On the contrary, war hysteria is continuous and universal in all countries. And such acts as raping, looting, the slaughter of children, the reduction of whole populations to slavery, and reprisals against prisoners, which extend even to boiling and burying alive, are looked upon as normal, and when they are committed in one's own side and not by the enemy, meritorious. See Roy Moore. On the internet, the first comment in response to this quote would be I-O-K-I-Y-A-R. It's okay if you're a Republican. And the rest of the world, it's called a Lindy England. Next quote. In the early 20th century, the vision of future society unbelievably rich, leisured, orderly, and efficient. A glittering antiseptic world of glass and steel and snow-white concrete was part of the consciousness of nearly every literate person. Science and technology were developing at a prodigious speed, and it seemed natural to assume that they would go on developing. This failed to happen partly because of the impoverishment caused by a long series of wars and revolutions. Shout out to Partly because scientific and technical progress depended on the empirical habit of thought which could not survive in a strictly regimented society. A strictly regimented society. Like, maybe one where people break up into teams. Often based on arbitrary things such as sports contests. And automatically assume and verbalize the worst things in the world about players and fans of the opposing team. A society that was so segmented that most radio stations have overwhelmingly homogenous racial playlists and listeners. A society that was so segmented that we can't even have Coke and Pepsi in the same restaurant. Also a glittering antiseptic world of glass and steel and snow white. Is George Orwell predicting Disney World? Or maybe Cracker Barrel? For if leisure and security were enjoyed by all alike, the great mass of human beings who are normally stupefied by poverty would become literate and would learn to think for themselves. Can't have that. And once they had done this, they would sooner or later realize that the privileged minority had no function, and they would sweep it away. In the long run, a hurt, a hurt, 
I hate In the long run, a ranked and ordered society was only possible on the basis of poverty and ignorance. The only thing I can say about the preceding quote is that it will definitely be on the test. In practice, the needs of the population are always underestimated, with the result that there is a chronic shortage of half the necessities of life. But this is looked on as an advantage. It is deliberate policy to keep even the favored group somewhere near the brink of hardship, because a general state of scarcity increases the importance of small privileges, and thus magnifies the distinction between one group and another. Seriously, about five minutes into researching this piece, I realized Melania isn't the only Trump who plagiarizes. Even the humblest party member is expected to be competent, industrious, and even intelligent within narrow limits. But it is also necessary that he should be a credulous and ignorant fanatic, whose prevailing moods are fear, hatred, adulation, and orgiastic triumph. I think I just described the entire Trump cabinet. Except for Ben Carson, whose prevailing mood is best described as... Snorth-like. Meanwhile, no inner party member wavers for an instant in his mystical belief that the war is real and that it is bound to end victoriously, with Oceana in the undisputed master of the entire world. Let's try a little trick. Take that quote... Change inner party to Republican party, change mystical to patriotic, add against ISIS to war, change Oceana to the US, and change master to leader... And that sentence becomes... Meanwhile, no Republican party member wavers for an instant in his patriotic belief that the war against ISIS is real, and that it is bound to end victoriously, with the US the undisputed leader of the entire world. I submitted that line to turnitin.com, not an endorsement, and got flagged for plagiarizing the Republican party platform. Not an endorsement. In Newspeak, there is no word for science. The empirical method of thought on which all the scientific achievements of the past were founded is opposed to the most fundamental principles of Ingsoc, and even technological progress only happens when its products can in some way be used for the diminution of human liberty. Technology used for the diminution of human liberty. Well, between them, my 14-year-old sons have seven combined devices through which they can access all the pornography in the history of the world. Does that count? All the beliefs, habits, tastes, emotions, mental attitudes that characterize our time are really designed to sustain the mystique of the party and prevent the true nature of present-day society from being perceived. Actual tweet from Trump post-election. Meryl Streep, one of the most overrated actresses in Hollywood, doesn't know me, but attacked me last night at the Golden Globes. She's a Hillary flunky who lost big for the hundredth time. I never mocked a disabled reporter. I would never do that. But simply showed him grovelingly totally changed a 16-year-old story, that's how I like him, that he had written in order to make me look bad. Just more very dishonest media. The alteration of the past is necessary for two reasons, one of which is subsidiary and, so to speak, precautionary. The subsidiary reason is that the party member, like the proletarian, tolerates present-day conditions partly because he has no standards of comparison. He must be cut off from the past, just as he must be cut off from foreign countries, because it is necessary for him to believe that he is better off than his ancestors, and that the average level of material comfort is constantly rising. But by far the more important reason for the readjustment of the past is the need to safeguard the infallibility of the party. It is not merely that speeches, statistics, and records of every kind must be constantly brought up to date 
in order to show that the predictions of the party were in all cases right. It is also that no change in doctrine or political alignment can ever be admitted on Fox News. By this point, I have long since concluded that George Orwell is smart as shit. And we're in a lot of trouble. Doublethink means the power of holding two contradictory beliefs in one's mind simultaneously and accepting both of them. Pious evangelicals voting for a man who has gone to church fewer times than your average Muslim. Women voting for a sexual predator. Grown men who like taking candy from babies voting for an Oompa Loompa. I think Trump voters have mastered this one. Freedom is slavery. If you cataloged all the ways that Trump voters have misused the words freedom and slavery and printed them up in book form, you would immediately become the leading cause of world deforestation and would be promoted to Secretary of Interior. Two and two make five. In Republican circles, I believe this is called... Fuzzy math. God is power. Um, yeah, I'm not touching this one with a ten-foot pole. We could actually spend hours on the eerie political dynamic parallels between Trump and Putin and the countries that grew out of the US and Russia in 1984's alternate history. In fact, since I am Professor Rex, each of you needs to write me a three-page paper on that very topic before you go to work in the morning. Just ask your closest neighbor if you can use their printer. Tell them the president tweeted that it's, uh, it's okay or something. One good thing here is that we finally have definitive proof that Donald has read at least one book in his life. He was attracted to the book because its slim width fit perfectly in his tiny, tiny hands. After finishing 1984, he put the book down and said, Yeah, I can do that. And there's actually a poem that is in the text of Orwell's book. And seriously, this is verbatim. Oranges and lemons say the bells of St. Clement's. Oranges. For fuck's sake. Oranges and lemons say the bells of St. Clemens. You owe me three farthings, say the bells of St. Martin's. When will you pay me, say the workers of New Jersey? When I grow rich, said that orange son of a- I could go on and on. The original version of this piece was longer than an extended cut of Endgame. Spoiler alert. So I originally wrote a version of this piece almost to the word back in 2006. Very little was even slightly different from then to 10 years later beyond the accent. Just do a search and replace and put George W. Bush's name in place of Donald Trump's. And going back further, Ronald Reagan. Well, it's not a coincidence that Ronald Reagan played Big Brother in the 1956 film adaptation of 1984. Seriously. Look it up. That is a 100% true alternative fact. But Bedtime for Bonzo really is a metaphor for white imperialism and the reign of Victorian... Nah, I'm just bullshitting you. I'm not watching any fucking Ronald Reagan movies. I'll close by saying that despite all my rage, I am still... Just a rat in a cage. I'm here talking to you about this in the basement of my house on a Sunday night in my underwear eating Cheetos. So I'm just a rat in a cage. Then I thought about 1984 one last time. And you know what I thought would really scare the shit out of Donald Trump? Rats. In cages. I'm originally from Florida. So call me Mickey fucking Mouse. P.S. You've been listening to It Was a Bright Cold Day in April and the Clocks Were Striking 13 or How Donald Trump Is Using George Orwell's 1984 as a How-To Manual or simply Donald Trump in 1984 Part 2.